Good morning, and a good morning it is. <laughs> it's Craig on Rainbow Radio. It's Saturday morning. Uh, what day is it? It's the 6th of February, and it's a beautiful day here in Laguna Beach. <laughs> um, I, I think it's a beach day. Been a busy week, though. Um, and we also are going live on uh, Rainbow Radio um, uh, broadcast uh, from the studio. So it's through Zoom, but it goes live on Rainbow Radio. If anyone uh, hasn't tuned in before to this regular Saturday program that's been going on for two years, three years, maybe four years, shame on you. <laughs> no, no, we're glad you're here. But it is Rainbow Radio, and we we talk about everything LGBTQ and diversity or oriented. It is a fully inclusive program, all all colors, all flavors. Uh, here in Laguna Beach, we're proud of our diversity and the community, and we love to share it with as many people or who are interested in being sh- shared with. So. That's that's a lot right there, huh? Uh, Mike Johnson, Compass Realty, is our regular sponsor here at the station. We love Mike, and he. Uh, it's been a crazy real estate year. Uh, I just just read read a long message from him about what's going on, but it's it's healthy, so it's it's not a bad. What he communicated was not necessarily bad. It's change from, in many ways, you know, from what we've we've had in the past. Also, I want to mention that if you want to call in, you can call in. Uh, we do have a direct phone number, 949-715-5936. And uh, if you want, you can text to that. If you don't feel like talking, you can also text to that same number. It's the number listed on the website for KXFM 104.7. And it's another way to communicate with me if you feel like it and have something on your mind or know of an event that I should be aware of that I'm not mentioning that I should be mentioning and shame on me if that's the case. <laughs> so that's my story and I'm sticking to it. Um, I just wanted to say also that it has been a crazy week uh, like the last several months, but nothing seems to have changed in that category. And so we do have lots of news and lots of stuff going on. Last night or yesterday, we had our happy hour. Club Q had a happy hour. We had a really good time. If you're um, don't necessarily need to be a senior, but if if you do on Friday want to get together and talk with people in Zoom, and we do uh, we do usually some short um, movies that uh, I curate, and they're all very. Fun. Some are comedy. Some are romantic. Some make a statement. Some some don't. Some are crazy. Some are goofy. And we usually listen to those and and chew on the news for a while, and then everyone has a chance to to kind of visit and catch up on what's going on in their week. And we call it our happy hour on Club Q, and that's a part of the Susie Q here in Lacuna Beach, which we're all very proud of. So yeah. So um, on this day in history. Let's start with that, okay? Um, we have some interesting stuff this week, uh, as I have discovered. So I, I, if you're just tuning in, I usually give a little history, and I do have a get, two, two great guests coming up in the near future. Not next weekend, but I think the following weekend, I have Cody, who just wrote a book about his uh, 
some of his life experiences and uh, it's out and it's uh, getting good reviews. So uh, we're glad to have him. We'll be glad to have him here. So if you're subscribed to rainbow-radio.com, <laughs> once again, that's rainbow-radio.com. So if you're subscribed to that, uh, you will get the notification about who my guests are. And so I usually have a couple of guests that pop in and we talk about what's going on in their world and what makes them do what they do, <laughs> what their passions are, and get to know them a little bit. And it's, it's very interesting sometimes. I'm Well, all the time it's very interesting. I have a, I've been blessed with some really great guests uh, over the years. And... I, I I feel like I'm I'm right up there with Barbara Wawa, you know. I'm not to toot my own horn, but I do think I I don't make them all cry like Barbara, but I do <laughs> I do I feel like I do talk about the the topics that are important and sometimes the topics that are a bit taboo uh, that uh, but in a very in a very nice way and uh, we sort things out and probably. In the matter of 20 minutes, we solve all the problems of the world, you know, and that's, that's an easy task when you've had a bottle of wine. I mean, excuse me, did I say that? <laughs> no, it's, uh, yeah. So now, uh, part of the regular program is, is guests and music. And I do, I did finally get some new music today. So I'm kind of excited about it. Maybe I can play a couple of those songs, you know, wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> so, uh, cause I've been. I've been on repeat for quite a while. I thought, oh, I could get some new stuff here. Some of it's new, some of it's old, some of it's in between. So now back to on this day in history. Uh, on this day in history, February 6th, which is today, uh, at, in 1989, after having debated and rejected similar measures for years, the American Bar Association votes 251 to 121 in favor of supporting federal legislation to prohibit discrimination against gay men and lesbians. God bless them. That was <laughs> the American Bar Association. So, and that was fairly early in our progressive history. If we if we want to um, group us all together, that was in 1989. On this day in history, February 7th, which would be tomorrow, of course, in 1977, the U.S. Supreme uh, the U.S. State Department lifts its ban on the employment of LGBTQ people and announces that it will consider gay applicants on a case-by-case basis going forward. I, I'm glad they will accept the applicants. Let's, let's give it that. But what is this case-by-case? You know, uh, are some cases not good cases? and <laughs> Some cases are bad. And, and do we want to discriminate? I I don't know. I don't think that's right. But anyway, that was 1977. Thank goodness uh, that they announced that they will consider gay applicants. And uh, so progress is progress. No matter how, uh, what form it might take, it can be progress. In 1978, the Oklahoma State House of Representatives passed the so-called Teacher's Fitness Statute. Oh, this doesn't sound good. No, no, no. (sighs) I know I've already read it, so I know where it's going, but uh, which allows local school boards to fire homosexuals. That's for you, Brian Rodriguez. Uh, Teachers or any teacher advocating, encouraging, or promoting 
public or private homosexual activities. So if you want to have a uh, gay uh, student group, that would be, you could get fired over it. That would not work. And now we have uh, a student alliances, teachers, I forget the, the word for it, but they're, they're fairly prominent in many high schools now uh, across, the, across our nation. So that's good. Uh, the National Gay Task Force later files a suit to challenge the law's constitutionality. Of course, it doesn't tell you whether it got, but I have to assume that was 78, folks. So, you know, 88, 98, 2008, 2008, that's about 40 years ago. Wow. Man, that's a, that's old. <laughs> to me, it doesn't seem quite that old. Oh, my. Okay. In 2012, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in California, this is a good one, rules two to one. It should have been three zero, but two to one, that proposition, proposition eight, we all remember, because that's recent history, 2012, what that said eight years ago, uh, is unconstitutional because it violates the Equal Protection Clause of the 14th Amendment. In the ruling, the court said that law, the law operates with no apparent purpose but to impose on gays and lesbians through the public law a majority's private disapproval of them and their relationships. How about that? I love that. <laughs> 2012, moving right along, making remarkable progress. <laughs> now we're on to this. That's some good, there's some good history here, folks. <laughs> I hope it stays that way. We're going on to February 8th. White House aide Midge. Oh, I love that. Midge. Like Madge, Midge. <laughs> I don't know. Constanza meets with Office of the National Gay Task Force to discuss the Carter administration's can, uh, what they can do to further the cause of gay rights. So God bless Jimmy Carter and Rosalind. Still building houses for humanity. Still, still speaking good words, you know. Too bad he couldn't make it, made it to the recent inauguration. They would have had four ex-presidents, or past presidents. They could have had five. That's, that's how many are alive. But I digress. <laughs> Let's stay away from that one. On February 10th, on this day in history... Gary Trudeau's Doonesbury introduces a gay character. Shocking, provocative. Oh, my God. <laughs> Andy Lippincott, who had first appeared a month earlier. Five newspapers refused to carry the story of Andy's coming out. Lippincott appears on and off on the Daily Strip for years. In 1989, he returns to uh, the Strip when he is diagnosed with AIDS. Over the course of the next year, Lippincott's battles with the disease and eventual death from it helped bring AIDS, the AIDS crisis, into popular culture. So, Gary, thank you, Trudeau. There's another Trudeau up there in Canada, I believe. <laughs> we love Mr. Trudeau in Canada. <laughs> Don't we, by gosh? So, yes... In 1983, on February 10th, a spokesman from the San Francisco Giants tells a banquet audience that the Giants are planning to set up a special seating section for their gay fans. Oh, that sounds pretty good. Then they said this, 
Instead of the grandstand, he jokes, we're going to call it the fruit stand. <laughs> Are you so, you think you're so clever. <laughs> That's another story for Joe. In 1990, director Bill Sherwood, whose only feature film was critically acclaimed, the 1986 movie, Parting Glances, dies of AIDS at the age of 37. Whoa. Moving on to February 11th. Now, this is interesting because, uh, uh, well, it's just interesting. Actually, the the second one. 1965, so that's like 50 million years ago. Uh, but it's relatively recent history. At the San Francisco trial of the four people arrested at the Council on Religion and Homosexuals New Year Ball. So the Council on Religion had their homosexual New Year's Ball. As a judge orders the jury to find the defendants not guilty, the decision is widely seen as a turning point in the homophile homophile movement's uh, fight for gay and lesbian civil rights. Well, I, I totally agree with that. In 1967, just two years later, in a follow-up to Los Angeles' Black Hat demonstration, now we have history here in L.A. Too often it's dismissed, and I'm on my soapbox on that one. Uh, the Black Cat, it's a, a bar in L.A., world famous, should be more famous, uh, demonstrated on New Year's Eve around 40 picketers demonstrate in front of the Black Cat in coordination with hippies and other countercultural groups who have been targeted by the police for harassment and violence. So we had our own little thing going here in L.A. Yeah, don't you forget it. <laughs> After all, L.A., California is the center of the universe, in case you were wondering. <laughs> uh, oh, I entertain myself so well. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, February uh, 12th. This would be lead us up to next Friday, and and there's then we we're done with our on this day in history. Sadly, in 1976, actor uh, gay actor Sal Mineo is stabbed to death in the garage of his West Hollywood apartment building at 8569 Holloway Drive. He is only 37 years old. The crime goes unsolved for a number of years until uh, his murderer Lionel Ray Williams is caught and convicted him and uh james dean in the movie rebel without a cause and it was really had gay overtones through the whole thing sal was infatuated they liked it to say well he was very uh regarded <laughs> um his co-acting partner <laughs> very highly but um he was uh, enamored with, uh, anyway, they were both gay, as, as history has told us since then. And they did a wonderful movie, and it has uh, quite a message. Walter, um, I want to say Walter Matthau was in it. No, it was um, uh, the Streets of San Francisco guy, whatever his name was. Um, anyway, it's a wonderful movie. Um, he, let's go on. In 1982, Making Love opens nationwide. Producers timed the release of the film with Valentine's Day weekend. In response to complaints about the film's depiction of gay love, star Harry Hamlin had this to say. Uh, 
the more radical elements of the gay culture are going to be disappointed by all the films coming out now sponsored by the major studios. A lot of these people feel that they're way beyond these films take us, but the more intelligent know that it is to be groundbreaking. It is a groundbreaking ceremony, which is what it is. And in other words, it's progress. Okay. At least uh, they're not, you're not excluded and time will change it, which it certainly has. So, Harry, I think you're you're right. It's disappointing as the, your words were at the time, probably. Anyway, in uh, moving on, in 2004, the last on this day in history news item, city officials of San Francisco began issuing marriage licenses to homosexual couples and performed the first known civil marriage of a homosexual couple in the U.S., by marrying the homosexual activists and lesbian couple. It's always the lesbian. They're always out there first. I love it. Del Martin and Phyllis Lyon. Over 80 couples were given the quick ceremonies. That is when our now governor, Gavin Newsom, was mayor of San Francisco. And he decided, well, you know, folks, maybe <laughs> maybe we should... Uh, uh, have some marriages. I, his father was a uh, was or is or was a judge, and uh, I'm sure they sorted it out and, and, and understood the legal because eventually they were uh, declared legal marriages, uh, and I had a feeling they kind of knew that when they went ahead and did it to push the envelope. That's my own interpretation of it. But now he's governor, and he's come up against a. a he's not real popular at this point, unfortunately. Um, there's a lot of uh, stuff going back, and a lot of it has to do with with COVID, but I I digress. We don't have time for all that right now. It's Rainbow Radio. It's Saturday. It's a beautiful day in Laguna Beach, and it's a beach day. I would say um, no full moon, so you can't watch a full moon come up if you spend the whole day there, but you could get some vitamin D, which we all need after a long, long winter, and we're so blessed here in SoCal. We're going to take a music break here. Let's see if I, if I got a, a good one for you. Yeah, This one I've been wanting to play for a long time, but it hasn't been on, on my machine here. So it is Dinka, and it's called Venice Beach.
Whoa. Did that get the blood flowing? <laughs> Reminds me of Laguna Beach Pride here in uh, uh, Laguna Beach. It's Laguna Beach Pride 365. It's here year-round, but they are working on a Pride Festival. Since we didn't have one uh, in 2020, we have to double up on 2021, hopefully, uh, in the fall is what uh, is being looked at September. If there's a good weekend in September, perhaps. We want to be sure everyone is, uh, you know, vaccinations are pretty well uh, out there. And it's that's being hopeful because we're definitely not there yet. And we've got a great distance to go. But uh, just so you know that Laguna Beach Pride is watching closely, <laughs> very closely. And uh, it could just be a really fun time. More More music like that and outdoors and in the afternoon and then... Uh, usually there's a Sunday beach party uh, at West Street Beach or, like, or officially known as Camel Point, but often referred to as West Street Beach. So, uh, and some great entertainment. So uh, I'm sure as we get closer and as more more things develop, we'll have our, what we like to say, our um, sophisticated <laughs> pride festival here in La Beach. But then it's it's that's not necessarily true. It's a bit of everything. It's it's a very eclectic, very eclectic. So whatever you're interested in, you'll probably find it there. And it's that's a good thing. Diversity is powerful and strong and all about, yeah, that's that's all good. That's all good. So I do have some more news that I got gotta go on. And this is uh what I call my international news section. So I, I think that uh in this day and age, it's fair to say the world is a bit larger than our own neighborhood. There are other things going on out there in the world. And I, I look to a news source that uh, curates all that news and puts it, hands it out to me so I can, I can, uh, you know, sound somewhat intelligent <laughs> after all, <laughs> after all, all my many years of digesting information, you'd think I'd have accumulated some mental fortitude anyway, uh, some and often it's kind of sad. So I do have some happy music. I want you to know happy music. So, uh, but we start off with uh, Mexico. Well, actually, they say the United States, but the heading says Mexico. Uh, but let's just say North America. Mexico is the second most dangerous country in the world to be transgender, according to human rights groups. Only Brazil has a higher rate of transphobia and violence against the trans community. Most attacks go unpunished, including murder. Three women are fighting for change in a small paved patio beneath the bust of the Virgin de Guadalupe, Ariel Hernandez Serrano's lilting voice echoes across her rundown corner is Takalo. Liz Takalo. Liz Takalo. I suppose that is... uh, I'm not sure what that is. The most densely populated borough in Mexico City. Accompanied only by a classical guitarist, she performs a poignant rendition of a Mexican folk song, La Labrona, meaning the weeping woman. The music itself originates far from the bustle of the capital in the southeastern state of Otaka. And Ariel's version includes phrases of, in the indigenous Zapotec language, bleached blonde and invariably smiling. Ariel says she's trying to achieve two things with her music, 
to preserve Mexico's fast-disappearing indigenous languages and to give greater visibility to the country's marginalized trans community. Well, that's a tall order. I suppose we could send her a postcard. You know, this this is really strange. The BBC reported this, and then it went on to this news media, and then it got listed as something. It's, uh, it's global, folks. We're global. <laughs> the word of the day, global. Eddie Izzard. Does anyone remember Eddie Izzard? He's a, a kind of a strange comedian. He's a, said he's heterosexual, but he loves wearing women's clothes and being outrageous and wearing makeup and and has quite a following. And he's a comedian. So, well, yeah, comedian. So Eddie Izzard wants to become UK's first ever transgender MP. How about that? I'll vote for him. <laughs> Eddie Izzard, uh, the gender fluid stand-up comedian and longtime labor labor campaigner, has sim- has a simple mission to become Britain's first openly trans member of Parliament. Speaking to the Sunday Mirror newspaper, the 58-year-old is t- trading show business for politics, and she's branded Premier Boris Johnson a liar and vowed to fight alongside opposition leader Kyer Starmer. While the lower house of Parliament's 650 seats are packed with LGBT plus lawmakers, a new wave of young queer politicians has been elected. Britain is still without the first trans or non-binary MP. 2019 marked the 57th consecutive general election with no openly transgender people elected. Izzard is out to change that. I want to stand in the last election of 20 in 2019. Oh, he says, I wanted to stand in it, but he didn't. But the seat wasn't available, but I am here. So, looking to the future <laughs> in in the UK, I wonder what my, my dear friend Liz, uh, Lynn would think of that, Eddie Izzard. Lynn, you gotta, <laughs> you got to let me know. <laughs> I think it would be quite a refreshing change. <laughs> it's like like getting some brand new underwear and feeling good about it. <laughs> oh my, I'm just, I'm, I'm out of control here. Okay, go moving on. The largest Native American two-spirited powwow celebrates its 10th anniversary. And this is in Mexico, officially, it says. So we'll, we'll go with that. On February 11th, in, on 2012, the Bay Area, here we go, the Bay Area American Indian Two-Spirited Organization Batis, B-A-A-I-T-S, held its first ever Native American two-spirited powwow. A powwow is a cultural celebration that I remember having powwows when we were little kids. And it's still a, a, a word we use frequently. We're going to have a powwow and get together and decide what to do. But I digress. Uh, the team behind the first Batis powwow sought to degender these traditions and bring two-spirited people, those who uh, do not identify with either gender or binary, together from the tribes across North and Central America. They did all of this, that, and more. Still going strong this year will mark uh, Battis' Two-Spirited Rainbow 10th anniversary. Throughout the past decade, it has engaged in tens of thousands of two-spirited people and allies and has helped launch a growing movement to increase acceptance and visibility of two-spirited people. It's pretty amazing to see two-spirited leadership, visibility, and vision, and what we can do at Battis said the Baptist interim. Now, 
the two-spirited is uh, a cultural thing that uh, if you were gay or you were bi or you liked both sexes or whatever, the spiritually they you were considered to have two spirits. And I think that was pretty prominent in the Hawaiian culture before it was desecrated by Christianity. And I, I'm unanimous. I mean, Christianity totally wiped out a culture that was there and had been thriving for, well, centuries, I suppose, at least one century. I don't know how long the native uh, Hawaiians uh, discovered the island and how long they were there and they, and they developed their royal family, but it was, uh, it was decimated by the, by the Christian belief. And uh, to this day, uh, it's kind of accepted that the Christians save the, the, the islands from their themselves and their culture. And um, I do think that there are some Christian values that are uh, very honorable. Um, but I also think there was, that there was a culture that was honorable in many ways. Um, and it was um, no longer, it's no longer there. And there's some recent, uh, recent documentaries on that. Uh, I think think it was um i think it was a history channel i can't remember but just this last year there was documentaries about it how the state <clears throat> was essentially taken over by big business and and so many unfortunate things happened to the culture it was a, a monarchy and they had a king and it was king kamehameha and they had a queen and there's the the queen's palace is in kailua kona and it's a very modest little house right there on the ocean. <clears throat> and it's a very spiritual place to go through, to walk through. But anyway, their culture was, they embraced like the Native Americans, the two-spirited people, which were what we would pretty much gay. Uh, it could be uh, transgender. It could be binary, but it really covered everything. And they felt that that was an important part of their culture, particularly the Hawaiian culture, that it that that group of people was included in the hierarchy of the uh you know of their organization their their uh i guess their <laughs> their monarchy but you know i'm not really hot on monarchies but anyway so so there you go that's that's what is in the news and it's still uh, stepping back in history to what it what was once the norm no longer became the norm and and perhaps now will become the norm once again and i'm unanimous in that um okay back to the uh world stage again in the united kingdom the uk supreme court to hear a case for gender neutral markings on passports in july so how about that the Supreme Court of the United Kingdom have announced they will begin hearing a case whether gender-neutral markings like X should be allowed on passports. The specific dates that the court will hear the case are uh, 12 and 13 of July. The case being brought by Christy Ilan Kane, who has fought for legal recognition of a non-gender identity for the past 30 years. Ilan Kane identifies as non-gender and uses her herself pronouns. Elon Kane argues that it is discriminatory for passports to be issued without an X gender marker 
and it excludes people who do not identify as either male or female. Previous court rulings have been against introducing an ex-gender marker, with senior judges at the high court saying the court the current policy is unlawful. Hmm. The Court of Appeals has also uh, ruled against the move, but their judgment, but in their judgment, said that non-binary and non-gender people had a right to respect. Well, again, there's that word again. Some progress, I guess. Hmm. Even if it's oh so slow sometimes. <laughs> come on, you want to say? Come on, speed it up. Have a cup of co- cup of cups of coffee. No, get moving. What's the problem? Uh, how about this? This comes to us from Turkey. Now, I don't know what's happening in Turkey. I looked at the news in the last two weeks. Everything's about Turkey. And it isn't even Thanksgiving. Ah, you heard that one coming, didn't you? <laughs> uh, President Recep Tayyip Erdogan. Tayyip Erdogan. Hmm. On Monday, lashed out at Turkey's LGBTQ movement, accusing it of vandalism following an outbreak of student protests. Four people were arrested over the weekend for uh, depicting Islam's hot, holiest site with pictures of LGBTQ rainbow during the rally at Istanbul's uh, Bogaziki Zixi University. So they had the rainbow flag out. And so uh, that was not good. And shortly after Erdogan's televised speech on Monday, another rally erupted at the same school with dozens of people detained and social media footage showing police dragging away students who had been protesting peacefully. We will carry our young people to the future, not as LGBTQ youth, but as youth that existed in our nation's glorious past. Erdogan said during a video link up with members of the ruling AK party, you are not the LGBTQ youth, not the youth who commit acts of vandalism. On the contrary, you are the ones who repair broken hearts inciting hatred. Rights groups accused Erdogan of taking the mostly Muslim, but officially secular country in an increasingly socially conservative course during his 18 years in power. Homosexuality has been legal throughout modern Turkey's, Turkey's history, but gay people are often face harassment and LGBTQ events, including Istanbul Pride, have been blocked under Erdogan. Erdogan, got to remember that name. Erdogan, the ruling guy for the, how many years? How many years was it? 18 years in power. We get upset when, when we have eight. They have 18. Uh, Turkey was hit by a wave of student protests last month after Erdogan appointed a loyalist as the head of the Bogazici ZC University. During one demonstration last Friday, protesters hung an artwork opposite the new rector's office depicting uh, the holy site in Mecca and images of the LGBTQ movement's rainbow flag. Turkish police accused four people of inciting hatred in the population. Two of them have been remanded in uh, custody and the other two placed under house arrest. Turkish Interior Minister uh, Soylu branded the suspects for LGBTQ 
Greeks. Well, that's lovely. So I could go on about Turkey. <laughs> There's much more Turkey. I don't want to make light of it. It's not funny, I suppose. But um, here's one, another Turkey one. Uh, Twitter says Turkish ministers' LGBTQ comments about protesters are hateful conduct. Oh, okay. <laughs> Turkey's interior ministry on Tuesday condemned protesters at a top Istanbul university. So that's kind of this uh, kind of the same story. Students and teachers at the university held protests for last month against the appointment of Mela Bulu as rector by President Erdogan. Again, we get Erdogan, which they said was undemocratic. On Monday, scuffles broke out between police and those protesting against the detention of four people after images were shared via social media of them laying a picture on the ground that mixed sacred Islamic imagery with symbols supporting LGBTQ issues. Police entered the campus later in the day to disperse students who were planning an all-night vigil outside the rector's building and detained 159 in total throughout the day, the governor's office said. Whoa. It's ramping up, folks. Okay, so let's shift our gears back to the United States. Here we go. The State Department. State Department's first openly gay spokesperson sends signals to the world, advocates say. Oh, I don't think I'm going to like this one. (laughs) Just over two decades ago, President Bill Clinton had to use a recess appointment to install the first openly gay U.S. ambassador over Republican senators' opposition. Now, on Tuesday, the State Department's new Openly gay spokesperson will hold his first daily press briefing. That the voice of Biden administration is on the world stage, whose words will be analyzed in foreign capitals and provide direction for U.S. diplomats overseas, will be a gay man is remarkable, which is itself a remarkable thing. In itself is a remarkable thing. I guess it's remarkable. Uh, It also sends a potent message to foreign LGBTQ activists, especially those fighting in countries where same-sex relationships are still criminalized, is incredibly important for queer people in countries where homosexuality and queerness is a death sentence, said Inanashi Richard Akusen, a Nigerian LGBTQ rights activist and writer. I probably butchered his name, but um, I don't know... You, you do the phonetic pronunciation of it, and it's still wrong. Because <laughs> it's, unless you're, uh, you know, unless you're familiar with the person. Uh, well, this is kind of current, but uh, how about <laughs> this one? I got a kick out of this one. New York. All right, back to the United States again. New York repeals walking while trans law. How about that? Now, that's an interesting. I didn't know we had a walking while trans. Uh, I I think they're characterizing something here, as I recall. Uh, New York Governor Andrew Cuomo uh, signed a bill Tuesday that repeals a state anti-loitering law, commonly called the walking while trans ban. (laughs) Jesus. 
uh, that critics say police used to harass and arrest law-abiding trans people in particular. The new measure effectively takes off the books, a 1976 law which sought to prohibit loitering for the purpose of prostitution. Politicians and LGBTQ advocates say the new law, uh, the law resulted in decades of discrimination by law enforcement. Repealing the arcane walking while trans ban is a critical step towards reforming our policing system and reducing the harassment and criminalization transgender people face simply for being themselves. It's kind of like driving a BMW while being black. It's going to be dangerous. Uh, Cuomo said in a statement, advocates for repealing the anti-loitering law said it had previously been used with broad definition that police used to justify the arrest of someone because they're of their clothes they wore or who they stood uh or where they stood on the street. New Yorkers have been fighting for years to end what has become a stop-and-frisk transgender women of color and the walking while trans ban established the profiling and arrest of transgender New Yorkers for doing nothing more than standing or walking on the street, said Human Rights President Alfonso David in a statement. HRC, Human Rights Campaign. We all know what the human rights campaign, yes. <laughs> well, I've been heavy on the news here and in Laguna Beach. I'm sure when I get my next guest in, it'll be a refreshing moment to have a uh, a, a guest on. Um, and I do have, I think next week I don't have a guest, but the following week I do, and the following week after that I do as well. So we're, we're they're lining up. Things are looking good. I'm optimistic. And with that, I'm going to play a Be Happy song because it's time to be happy.
Well, we should be happy now, huh? <laughs> I, I, I should hope so. I don't know what that was. Um, yeah, Farrell Williams. That's it was a few years ago, but uh, not a bad deal. Um, so I there's still uh, this one more thing on Turkey. Okay, it would probably be more in the news as, as it seems to be on a swelling up phase. You know, like when you when you sprain your ankle and all of a sudden your tennis shoe starts to stretch. Ooh. <laughs> LGBT people are facing dire situation in Turkey. This is how it got so bad and why you should care. So this was uh, released on the 4th, which is just, what, two days ago. Uh, The abuse and restrictions against Turkey's LGBT plus population are growing increasingly more alarming. On February 2nd of 2021, Twitter took the still relatively unusual step of flagging a politician's tweets as for hateful conduct. Mm. The same thing it did uh, to the tweets of former U.S. President Donald Trump before his ban. Uh, Twitter's target this time was the Turkish interior minister, Soyoman Soylu, who tweeted that four LGBT perverts had been detained for inciting hatred. Now, didn't he just incite some hatred in his statement? I think so. Uh, these LGBTQ perverts were actually students at Istanbul, Istanbul's Bogazisi University, where young people have been protesting President Erdogan's, again, <laughs> decision to appoint a loyalist with links to, uh, links to his ruling Justice and Development Party to serve as the prestigious university's rector. The clash in the in Turkey escalated last week as protesters hung a poster on the campus that depicted Kaaba in Mecca adorned with rainbow flags. So that ought to incite some things. You know, um, we... It seems like we have in the States many religions and... Yeah, yeah, we hear there's things going on about religious this and religious that, but we they all seem to get along pretty well. I mean, there's no in infighting that I know of. I mean, certainly not on a national level. So um we should be we should be kind of proud of that. Yeah. That um and that pretty much religion has been pulled out of politics, although not so much lately, but anyway, on on, a, on many levels, it's been uh, not incorporated as the doctrine that pol- politicians should follow or governments should follow. Governments are for the people, and the people can decide what religion they want, and I'm unanimous in that. Okay, this was kind of a, a little bit of history, and uh, we've gone, we usually do history, but I think this one was, was significant. Uh, and this was in Germany, and this is the LGBTQ History Month, as I should have announced at the start of the hour, the first of the month, that this is LGBTQ History Month. So, you know, reading on this day in history is that much more appropriate. And this is another history, a history topic, I guess, in the 1920s and 30s, of buttoned-up Britain, homosexuality was an illicit act and would remain that way until 1967. 
when the law changed in England and Wales. Even though gay culture is was vibrant, it existed mostly underground. Its community forced to socialize with certain degree of covertness in order to ex, to avoid exposure and the risk of prison. Berlin, meanwhile, had emerged from the dark years following the First World War as a cultural hub of creativity and intellectualism, attracting pioneers in the fields of science, psychology, and literature. The German capital, also a hotbed for hedonism, where sexual freedoms and gay culture flourished. That's La Caja Fall, I think, Um, (laughs) like that. Uh, And where um, exciting new forms of music and dance contributed to the... uh, for for bile atmosphere. Febrile. On uh, visits to this liberal liberal metropolis during that period, a small group of young British conservatives, party MPs, which included figures such as Ronald Cartland, Anthony Muirhead, and Robert Barneys, began to witness a growing persecution of certain groups in Germany including homosexuals and Jews. The group of conservative MPs was scathingly dubbed the Glamour Boys, and in 1938, by their own leader, Neville Chamberlain, the then Prime Minister Chamberlain, the then Prime Minister, Chamberlain, who had become the eventual architect of an appeasement in the autumn of 1938, even tethered the group as with deselection. The story of the Glamour Boys provides a striking example of how a political establishment was prepared to publicly disparage members of their own party. So, uh, in essence, they warned about what was to come, which uh, was a brave thing to do, considering the risk, their, their own risk and harm. And I don't want to try to find something that's that's fun, you know. Well, I think we're out of time on the news. I I wanted to end on something really positive, but um, how about a very positive song um, that uh, will take it out? And I will be back next week. Uh, Rainbow Radio, Craig, KX uh, 104.7, Human Crafted Radio. If you have any suggestions for people to be on the program uh, or music that you'd like to hear, uh, events going on, please go to Craig, uh, email Craig at rainbow-radio.com. Thank you. And thanks for tuning in. We'll catch you next week.